episode 25. Today, I'm speaking with Carly Stockdale about exchanging medical records. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Transferring medical records from one provider to another is obviously a necessary underpinning for team-based care, collaborative care, population health management, a lot of the various key tenets of the Affordable Care Act. Until health information exchanges become widely available, what this is going to mean is that providers are going to need to figure out how they're going to swap health records uh, on a one-to-one basis. And that's what I'm talking with Carly Stockdale about today. She is the CEO of a company called Chart Request, which facilitates the this kind of micro-level transfer of medical information from one provider to another, as well as from one provider to a health information exchange. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Franklin HealthCom. Welcome to the show this morning, Carly. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start out with you talking a little bit about who you are and chart request. I actually got a master's in public health degree focusing in healthcare management, and that was really looking at healthcare and business from two different points of view, from a school of public health and a, and a business school, essentially. And that really kind of led me to my first job, which was as a fellow at a large academic medical center focusing on finance and um, administrative leadership. While I was at hospitals, I started at Mass General with the physicians organization and moved on to working with a bunch of healthcare systems throughout the country. You notice that there are a lot of interesting problems to solve. And the biggest one, which is providing quality of care, is um, of the utmost importance. But a lot of other problems like administrative issues, just other time-consuming needs very often detract or, or distract providers from their their core mission, which is providing really great quality of care. So that's what kind of led me to my current role at Chart Request, where I'm the CEO. And our company really facilitates the release of information for healthcare providers. That's hospitals and, and medical clinics. And we really serve as an electronic portal from which providers may receive requests for health information. Um, and these requests can come from patients, from other providers, from insurance companies, and from uh, legal organizations or even third parties that are hired by those uh, legal organizations um, in order to obtain medical records requests. It sounds like you're in your prior career, one thing that you noticed was that the the glitches in the process of delivering healthcare were de- detracting from the quality of care that could be delivered. Right, absolutely. I mean, there's so many distractions or, or important distractions in healthcare and providers and their extenders and the administrative resources they have as well are there to manage those. Before we get into what Chartwick Request does and it, it, its its mission, 
why don't we get into a couple of glossary definitions just in case someone is listening who is, a, you know, a newbie in the field. Could you explain what exactly is a medical record? Um, medical records are, are basically the information that is maintained by a healthcare provider pertinent to a patient's medical care. So it's, it's information related to the patient, their demographics, their personal history, and any, any prescriptions or procedures and even billing codes and information that's specific to the point of care or the care direction delivered by the, that particular healthcare provider. Could you explain what a health information exchange is? Acronym HIE. Health information exchange really refers to the mobility of health information across an organization within a region or a community or uh, a hospital uh, system. Nowadays, it really refers, it, it, it can refer to the organization that kind of facilitates that exchange. Really, the goal is to exchange health information among disparate organizations and really provide timely, effective, efficient, and equitable care to the patients for whom that information is being exchanged. And this has been identified as one of the, the primary drivers of escalating healthcare costs that probably anyone in the, in the healthcare industry is, is pretty familiar with. I mean, if, if a provider doesn't have access to a patient's record, that leads to, for example, duplicate tests being performed or time being wasted trying to figure out someone's drug allergies or or their blood type when the clock is ticking on some other important protocol that needs to happen. This administrative function really has a gigantic impact, which I'm looking forward to talking with Carly about further relative to, to, to patient outcomes. Let's talk a little bit about chart request. You kind of introduced the idea that what you're facilitating is a frictionless way to get a patient's medical record from one provider to another. Could could you just go into a little bit more detail about that? Chart request was really designed to address some of the issues around health information exchange that have kind of arisen in the past few years. And the truth of the matter is these issues have been around for for many more years than the amount of time that we've become cognizant of health information exchange. And the root cause is health information exchange looks today very similar to <laughs> what it did five years ago. And the fact of the matter is providers have begun, begun using EHRs, electronic um, health records, as a means of recording health information. But this health information is still transmitted largely uh, by phone calls and faxes that aren't documented and are rid of the same, the same inefficiencies that we see today when we have to phone and fax anything. So how does, how does chart request begin to solve this conundrum of how to get a record from one person to another while being compliant with all regulations and also uh, with the limitations of technology? When a doctor or um, a hospital signs up on our platform, they'll have information on their voicemail or on their website that says, you know, do you want to request medical records? Click here. 
And once they get to that screen, they'll essentially see a very basic authorization form giving permission to the provider to release records and uh, specific fields for asking for particular information. And this is important because providers really need to be specific about um, what kind of authorization they receive from the patient in releasing records to high-risk requesters such as legal firms or other insurance ent entities or other third parties. So once they receive that request, they can actually have a direct and secure exchange right there. If there's any questions, you know, say an authorization isn't there or some information is, is unclear or a specific disclosure is required, they can actually send a private message right on the platform and avoid a phone call and voicemails. And once it is determined that that exchange will be made, they can actually release the records directly through the platform. So no longer do they need to go and actually fax the records out. They can actually just release it online. Sounds like what you're doing is streamlining what has been for all times a very many tentacled, unruly communication issue. I can give you two real world examples that I see out on the field. One is we have two providers who have gone in together and actually bought an EHR but they decided not to have shared clinical table space. So that means that each maintains their own separate medical records. And right now they share a number of patients. And what actually has to happen in order for them to effectively share information is uh, someone from their front office needs to go into their EMR, extract the record, print the record, put the record in a fax machine, which will then be received, hopefully, if the fax isn't lost, by the other healthcare provider. They'll take the record, stick it in, in the scanner, actually, and then actually upload it to the medical record request. And you were asking earlier about health information exchanges. The goal is eventually for those to actually replace the fax machines. And that, that, that is what will eventually happen. But the reality of today is these connections, even um, between and among providers, very often on the same EMR, let alone outside of each other's networks, it's a very time-consuming and tedious process. And I can see how that would have a direct impact on, really on, on population health management, as well as the individual patient's outcomes. For example, if a provider is missing half the information about a patient, it makes it very difficult to have a, an informed, make an informed clinical decision. Absolutely. I'm assuming that the way that chart request works with a small practice might be different than the way that chart request works with a large practice. Are there differences in the, the, the problems that these two kinds of organizations might have? Our small clinics and large clinics or large hospitals and healthcare systems are, are very different in how they approach healthcare information management generally. When you look at small clinics, you'll often see the leadership within the clinic or even doctors uh, managing health information release. So when they look at medical records requests, they think of it as being a high enough risk that it's worth their time in management versus uh, handing it off to a front office staff member. And this was something that was surprising to me. I spoke with clinic manager after clinic manager who was telling me about how they were staying late after work for when the fax machine was open so that they could actually make these releases. 
what's what's sad about this is because it's so difficult to find the time to actually send out these medical records requests either the performance is low and you're not getting that information to the to the doctor in time or you're really disrupting your own clinical or administrative workflow so a same day request uh, which is i think very common in this industry can actually you know take away time from other tasks that are necessary for that day. So it's it's really disruptive. And what you see is there's a lot of faxes and phone calls, and that's how clinics really manage those medical records requests. And there is almost no documentation around the release. So this is a, a HIPAA requirement. It's really demands that providers can demonstrate for patients what information was released and to whom. And this documentation, along with policies and procedures that are really necessary in order to be a good custodian of health information is, is difficult to come by in the smaller clinics that are, you know, have fewer resources to devote to health information management. And I think that's a big portion of the reason that you see, you know, the leaders in the organizations actually taking time away from their week, usually a few hours in order to facilitate these releases. And how does that differ from a large institution? I mean, what what issues are they battling as it relates to the custodianship, if you will, of this medical information? What you see on the field is often uh, healthcare providers, large hospitals actually outsourcing their medical records requests and health information management, some functions like rele- uh, releases to billable records, which are go to insurance companies or other legal firms. Now, what you see as an industry, and this is affecting smaller clinics as well, is there are big increases in information asks from both um, insurance companies. These are post-payment um, just audits. So a clinic and a healthcare provider will actually receive a letter that has you know 100 to 200 requests for health information, sometimes even very specific measures that are needed within the month. And, and these can be for HEDIS or quality scores or, or, or um, payer audits. And so these offices are really starting to need to release this health information in a timely and, and um, compliant manner anyway. And what that requires is that these larger organizations, clinics, um, and larger health systems need to require, um, need to build some sort of infrastructure to facilitate these um, important information requests. One of the things that I didn't quite connect the dots on, but it's obviously incredibly important, is as we all move to more focus on population health management and when payers are auditing what's going on at individual at the individual provider level in order to ensure that the, the the quality of care provided is at a specific benchmark. Obviously, the record transfers, the number of record transfers is only going to increase, you know, as you said, until there are common platforms for HIEs and this becomes unnecessary. I mean, when you think about how important this is to providers, a lot of this information that's being requested is information that's specific to the quality of care they're delivering. And that information impacts the rating of the providers in their clinic and their hospital and potentially the network decision making. So 
very often when I'm brought in is after an, a clinic or organization received a number of requests for information and those weren't responded to, it was received by either the, uh, from the state or from an insurance company, and consequently, they see the rating of their doctors decrease and potentially even these ratings or um, lack of res- response resulting in um, network decisions of high consequence. So, you know, decisions that say, okay, we're going to cover this provider is in our network because they're performing to this level. When you're not receiving that information, um, that can negatively influence uh, your network status. The other things that are just important are just claims adjudication. Doctors are often paid based on this information. So if this information doesn't get to the payer on time, they don't get paid. You know, the other obvious business implications are really referrals. You're, you're receiving these requests from doctors who think you're an, a great provider and, and they want you in the network and they want your you know, consultation or opinion on a particular patient. You really want to make sure that you're getting that patient health information out the door same day, not only to obviously support great clinical care and and fast decision making, but also to maintain that good business working relationship. This administrative function, basically, which is frictionlessly making sure that chart requests happen easily and in a fast way affects three really important things. One of them is, as you mentioned, the three are quality scores. It's really interesting to hear that a provider's quality scores could actually diminish, not because of necessarily the care that's being provided, but because they're not doing the paperwork. Number one. Number two, getting paid, you know, can't underestimate that. And then thirdly, as you mentioned, one of the things that specialists are struggling these days with is trying to figure out how to get referrals and and they're working hard on on getting those referrals it would be devastating really to to work as as hard as you need to in order to become part of a referral network with with primary care physicians and then not be able to manage the administrative burden that goes with that I think the one the one other issue that we haven't necessarily touched on, but I think is should be top of mind for healthcare providers is that, you know, with the transition to electronic medical records and with this increased requests on providers to actually share this information, providers are being asked more and more nowadays to become very responsible custodians of health information that can be, you know, aggregated and shared and potentially, you know, released to the right or the wrong person. It's really important that providers are aware of the disclosure requirements and the authorization requirements that are out there so that they're not inadvertently, you know, putting themselves at risk. And I think that's probably a very new responsibility for many healthcare providers. I mean, in years past, it was pretty much just get a shelf and put some folders on it um, and maybe lock the door. (laughs) Now it's taken on. I mean, obviously, I'm exaggerating for purposes Mm -hmm. of clarity here, but now this is taking on a whole different dimension. Absolutely. And, you know, if you go to most providers and ask who saw, you know, patient X's information over the last six years, most of them won't know that. And that's a new question or a new requirement that providers really need to um, ensure that they're documenting. Why does this all matter to the patient? I mean, if I'm a patient and obviously I'm concerned that I'm getting the best possible care, are there implications for me here? Absolutely. 
And I think we've touched on a few of the more obvious issues, which are really providing effective and efficient and on-time and best-in-class patient care. You know, if you're lacking records or information, obviously patients' memories take time to relay in an office visit and are unavoidably imperfect. And so having your health information to all of your different providers so that your healthcare delivery is really centered around you is critical. And first step there is really having that information available to all of the providers who are coordinating your care. I I think a really great example of this, I was listening to a story yesterday about a a patient who was older, he had very shaky hands. And every single time he was going to a different doctor, he was being asked to fill out a complete medical history, including all of his meds and all of his surgeries, which, you know, he was of an age where that list was pretty long. And effectively, what he started doing was not writing things down, just because (laughs) (laughs) he, he kind of couldn't do it. So I think that's a perfect example of a provider who's now being put into a situation where decisions are being made, um, which are going to affect the quality of his care simply because there's a lack of information. And putting in a very arduous burden on the on the patient to, as you said, remember all these things and document them repeatedly over and over. I mean, that kind of just not does not seem to be a plan for success. So if a, if a practice signs up for for chart requests and and I'd like to get into some of the mechanics of it in a sec. But what, what's the difference? Do, do practices with chart requests, are, are they better able to facilitate? It would seem obvious that they're better able to facilitate a team-based care. Do you want to talk about that for a sec? Or are there any other obvious benefits to the practice other than the ones that we've already talked about? Obviously, with chart requests, as a convenience factor. We are, once a provider or hospital signs up with us, they're able to receive requests at any time, day or night. Requesters can always log in and submit their request. From the requester perspective, they can always track those records requests and see where they are in, in the cycle for delivery. They can receive them online immediately without a fax machine or a postal address. Providers don't need to uh, manually document what the authorization form was. They don't need to enter a fax machine number in wrong or even worry about any kind of lost requests or requests sent to the wrong, or I'm sorry, releases sent to the wrong requester. It kind of reminds me of back in the old days when you're trying to get a hold of somebody on the telephone and there was no answering machines or anything. You know, you just kind of call and... Um hope someone eventually picks up. But even if you leave a message on someone's answering machine, you really don't know if they uh, if they received it, as opposed to today when, you know, to your point exactly, I can send someone a text and I can see that they read it. And also that it's being fulfilled. And if you ever lose the record, it's right there and you can go back and, and obtain it for future use. So let's talk a little bit about the 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 chart request system itself. When you're talking about when a practice signs up with you, you know, like what does that entail? If I'm a provider and I'm thinking, wow, it would be great to get this under control. <laughs> what do what do I need to do? Great question. Our philosophy as a company is to make providers' lives as easy as possible. So our implementation and setup literally takes 15 minutes. 
um, for all the practices. We basically train their staff. Usually this is a 45-minute process and we'll do check-ins on a weekly basis for the next five weeks. From the requester perspective, the workflow change is really that they'll now have a website where they can actually enter their request or they can go into the office and the, and the office will actually log the request online themselves. From the provider perspective, the request is automatically documented. They don't need to do any work to say who requested what, when was it requested. They don't need to manually write down what was disclosed. There's a living record of that disclosure. All access to the request is logged automatically. So really, it's eliminating a lot of the manual documentation requirements for providers and giving requesters an immediate means to request health information and potentially pay for those records if it's a third-party entity and really receive those records as quickly as possible. Say that I'm a provider and I sign up for chart requests and I'm dealing with a whole bunch of other providers who are not on the platform. Mm -hmm. What do I do? I say, all right, if you want the record, here's the URL. You got to log into to chart requests or does chart request fax to people who aren't on the system or how does that work? There's two options. One is to get the other provider on the platform. It's free for providers to release information to other providers. So normally preferred method, especially for providers who are connected with each other and have, you know, share a, a number of patients. Uh, the other option is, of course, just to record that um, request information in the system and then release the record via fax as well. And what kind of data, if any, are you collecting of those transactions? I mean, do you kind of create, do you have a, a data set which includes what providers are interacting with each other? Like, say, for example, that you're working with a large practice who wants to know who's sending records to who or something like that. Is, is that trackable information? With respect to PHI and the clinical data that's entered onto our platform by providers, that is the property of the providers. We don't touch the data um, or do or alter it in any way or use it for any of our purposes. Now, from a business perspective, we certainly look at who is requesting health information, what kind of requesters are asking for records from providers and what's their frequency of use, mostly because we want to build our product to be as useful as possible. So one thing we saw on our platform, it was originally really conceived for these third-party requests, requests from legal firms and insurance companies that want um, extra information about a patient and need to provide documentation in order to receive those records. And, you know, organizations that are highly motivated to receive the information as quickly as possible and ones that very often are hiring other organizations to obtain that information. So providers very often have to spend a lot of time on the phone with these third parties explaining where that record request is in the process. Now, I think one, one of the surprises over the last year and a half is how often our solution is used for these um, patient requests and um, provider requests. So requests that are specific to supporting continuation of care and requests that are actually made by the patients in order to manually aggregate their own health information for a PHR or to actually facilitate the transmission of that information to their next provider. You uh, could probably 
plot population trends. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, we don't look at that as much as think about some macro issues, which is a realization that patients, even when they have access to a patient portal, very often aren't using this. And we're not exactly sure why they're not using this. Maybe this is just because they're not really engaged on the patient portal itself. Maybe they don't have access to it. Or maybe the information on the patient portal, and this is this is definitely sometimes the case, as I've heard from many providers, patient portals um, very often are only releasing a brief visit summary. And the, the full medical record is the information which the, um, the patient or the next provider really needs in order to provide great quality care. So our platform actually facilitates that greater health information exchange that's necessary in order to you know, fully convey all the actions of the visit. Wow, that's really interesting. So one trend that you're seeing is patients would rather call up and ask for their medical record from a provider than go on the patient portal for whatever reason uh, in order to pull down what's there. It is interesting, and it's it's somewhat of a new mystery we're looking at, and it's it's not something I can fully explain because it, it, it completely depends on the clinic. Some clinics really effectively incorporate their patient portal into their practices and, and patient communication than others. So there, it could be a few issues, you know, ranging from patient not having access to a patient portal, patient not understanding how to use a patient portal, or a patient being aware that they need greater information than just the visit summary. And um, to be honest, I haven't seen that happen. I haven't heard patients say, I know I need more information than what is available on the portal. My thinking is that it's much more likely that the providers are actually not able to release all that information on the portal and are thus asking the patients to use uh, our platform. Are there any other trends that you have laid a finger on? Yeah, I think I think some things that have been really interesting are just since in entering this industry is a realization that medical records and health information release is a really highly regulated industry. Most clinics aren't even aware of their state laws around health information release, whether that be how many days you need to release your request from, how much you can charge for medical records what authorization or disclosure uh, requirements are in place, or how long you need to maintain medical records, those are all highly dependent on the state within within which the provider operates. And I think it's it was an interesting thing for me to learn, first of all, how controlled it is, and second, how little providers very often are aware of these statutes that honestly change on an annual basis. It's very often state medical societies take it on as a responsibility to communicate these changes to their providers, and that's really great. So I always recommend to providers that they stay in touch with their state medical society and always learn about that. Release of information, I think in order to do it effectively, really requires a ton of policies and procedures because there's such a range of scenarios that you can encounter as a front office staff member. And these can include a patient that's under the age of 18 whose mother is asking for medical records or someone who is over the age of 18. Uh, scenarios in which you really do need a power of attorney or um, specific authorization to disclose sensitive health information, including, you know, HIV AIDS information um, or or those related to substance abuse and behavioral health um, help. So 
these differences among states and these sensitivities among different specialties are very often the reason that you know, even large healthcare organizations that collectively purchase an EMR or EHR don't share medical records between and among the medical records offices. So, you know, we're operating in a very siloed world where even large healthcare physician groups don't have access to each other's information and are relying on faxes and really needing to kind of manage these potential inefficiencies and breach risks. That's something that I never realized before, that the information exchange, which is necessary for quality of care, could be being deeply hindered by the fact that there are regulations which are designed to protect the patient, but in doing so, actually hinder the ability to collect information that's necessary in order to provide quality care. And I mean, there's differences in information that you need to collect prior to release for both continuation of care or paying of claims. So an insurance company that's requesting information that's specific to the procedures that it's covered or another known provider requesting information won't have as onerous uh, requirements. But it's still necessary for a provider to put in a fax number correctly in order to facilitate that health information exchange. Carly, what advice might you have for a practice who's thinking to themselves, wow, I really need to have better record management? What what are some of the first steps that they could take after they come to that conclusion? I think the first step is really just knowing the laws and the statutes that are that are specific to your healthcare organization. And that would include HIPAA and your state-specific statutes. Creating as an organization policies and procedures specific to release of information that really look at the high risk scenarios, including you know patients that are over eighteen or or pay, or requests from third parties around sensitive health information and what kind of authorizations are needed to specifically rele- release information and you know limiting the scope of your release to the disclosure checking signatures or checking the authorization documentation in order to really verify identity. These are all things that should be really known and regularly trained within, within your office. I think, obviously, every organization needs to track all disclosures and authorizations and releases regularly. So anything you can do in that category to kind of automate actions and and thereby kind of release the potential for for inadvertent disclosure or reduce the amount of time that you're spent on phone calls manually writing down what was received and what was released and you know sitting at a fax machine or a scanner is a good idea and so obviously looking into software solutions like chart request that can help eliminate errors and efficiencies and really manage this process. I think I would highly recommend for, you know, any organization that's receiving these health information requests. And where can someone get a hold of you, Carly? My email is carly at chartrequest.com. We are at chartrequest.com. Anyone can call our office to learn more, 888-895-8366. I thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Stacey. And I, I, I love your podcast. I think it's a great contribution that you're bringing to the industry. The links to information Carly mentions are available at RelentlessHealthValue.com. 
Did you know that you do not have to remember to download the latest Relentless Health Value podcast each week? You can subscribe. If you subscribe, then the episode will be automatically delivered to you in one of two ways. The first way is via iTunes. If you go to RelentlessHealthValue.com and you look over in the right-hand sidebar, you will see a gigantic orange dot. If you click on that dot, you will be taken over to iTunes. And if you hit subscribe there, then every week in your iTunes library, the podcast will automatically download. If you use the podcast app, it will be extra convenient. The other way to subscribe is by looking right underneath that large orange dot to a little form there that says, get the podcast delivered to your email. If you click on that button and type in your email address, then once a week you will get an email with a link to the podcast. It is very easy to subscribe. I'm so glad that you listened this week. Please interact with us on Twitter. We are at Relentless Health on Twitter, and that would be Relentless with only one S. So Relentless with one S, health. Please definitely feel free to interact with us, leave a comment, ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. And I very much hope that you'll tune in next week.